0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Gestalten Podcast. My name is Eric.
1: And my name is Martin.
0: And we are coming to you from different parts of the world, but still in Europe. Well, for the moment, anyway.
1: <laughs> yeah, big, big, uh, big travels coming up in November, but uh, I'm in Munich, you're in London. And uh, for everybody who didn't really listen to our last episode, I would say, we were in Paris – Yep. And just to kind of, uh, you know, listen to obviously the big episode that we did, but just in a couple of words, uh, how would you summarize it now with, a, you know, a few weeks in between?
0: Well, I, I still think that it was a generally pretty lackluster show. Even, you know, if we look at it from the, um, from the French manufacturers' perspectives, there wasn't all that much newness, ness uh, which is a shame. Um, generally, you know, from the, the French manufacturers always make a big... Uh, deal about Paris, just like in Frankfurt, the German manufacturers always come up with guns blazing. So it was, you know, just, I I guess, a a general reflection of what's going on um, in terms of auto shows and showing that it's no longer really um, at the top of automaker's priority list for a number of reasons, expense and, um, you know, battling for, uh, you know, competitive um, uh, competition against competition in, uh, in the different segments. Um, so it's, you know, nowadays you can do a lot of things on social media. You can make a huge splash at private events. So, you know, really the, the Motor Show is, and this was really a reflection in Paris, um, it's, it's kind of past its heyday, um, unless people really start to, you know, really shake things up in terms of new product though. I mean, like, like you said, we, we did cover this in, in, uh, in pretty much great detail, uh, the last time when we were at the show itself, um, and having, you know, been there walking around for a few days, um, we did see, uh, new products being unveiled, not as many as we would have liked. But they were generally, you know, some good things as well as some things which, uh, you know, are probably going to be quickly forgotten.
1: Yeah, I just want to jump onto one thing when you mentioned like, you know, the um, – uh, the motor shows and like, you know, the their, let's say their existence and stuff like that. The funny thing is, obviously, we went, uh, we, I think we have to specify this, we went for the press days. Uh, so we actually were very, very fortunate to really look at the cars in detail. There weren't that many people around. But um, and we were quite, you know, uh, you know we had like quite a lot of criticism on the whole show but at the same time as we read from the media you know there were over a million people going to the show so it's maybe also maybe it's turning more towards a you know really like a customer event rather than just kind of this entertainment event where we see something new and we see exciting stuff and like exciting new uh, cars and concepts and stuff like that just to pretty much a bunch of you know almost like a retailing mall you go there you have a look at the cars you, you 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 check them out there's some kind of special edition that you can see in like you know any kind of big mall in the US as well for example and and then you go home again so it becomes more just kind of oh you know i have a look and what i like what i maybe don't like um and obviously for us the excitement about the new cars that has just gone away and i think this was uh you know what what for me personally has come very very much into play over the past couple of weeks was that I just wasn't excited about it anymore you know it's just like yeah if I wanted to buy a car this is a cool place because I can see all you know all the different ones um, but as someone who's very much invested in our little bubble of the car design world uh, it was probably completely you know it, 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 I, I don't want to say it was wasting time because we had a good time met a lot of people you know saw a lot of familiar faces but um, it's not as exciting anymore you know in terms of new developments as uh, as it was a few, uh, a few years ago and stuff like that and I think this is a little bit of a a takeaway is that we're going more towards this consumerism show or like even back to that and just like you know people choosing which kind of cars they like and admiring a little bit of those kind of concepts but uh yeah more more about you know like yeah what kind of car do i want to buy rather than just just the the pure admiring factor of everything
0: yeah, you know I, I mean I still I don't think that you can actually buy a car in Paris like Geneva people go there and the, with their checkbooks you know that's a, yeah. that's a show where people actually go there instead of going to the dealership they can look at cars side by side, especially supercars and and compare them and, and whip out their checkbooks and buy them on the spot. I don't know if that's the case in Paris. Um, what, what generally disappointed me was you know there is a, a lack of investment it seems. Um, from automakers and a lack of involvement as well from automakers. Um, So, you know, not only were there 14 manufacturers that should have been there, Opel should have been there showing that new GTX experimental, in my view. Um, They missed out. So, um, you know, Ford wasn't there. I mean, these are big players. So when you think that these guys aren't attending motor shows, their traditional motor shows anymore. Um, instead, Opel is making a huge splash in places like Instagram and stuff, like, um, you know, showing off their new concepts. Um, it's, it's definitely a change. Um, it's winds of change right now in terms of how uh, vehicles get promoted. Now, the other thing that struck me was the fact that, you know, the, the show stands were nowhere near what they were in Frankfurt just a year ago. Um, you know, there yeah. was a, a noticeable lack of investment, and it's uh, it's just a shame from that perspective. Um, you know, again, there was also, you know, from a design perspective, some new cars that were revealed that, you know, we spoke about, like BMW 3 Series, for example, which is a huge, um, you know, uh, a, a mainstay for the brand, something that's been around for, you know, decades that's been a very, very important car, and it just didn't resonate at all um with with me or with most of the the general public uh, or re- what i've what i've seen and read um from the general yeah. uh media so um you know in yeah. terms of in terms of that show you know it was a it was a shame but since then we have been you know super busy Of course, in our day-to-day activities, um, you know, and, uh, you know, there's loads of things going on in the car design industry, in the car design world at the moment. Um, Lots of studios um, popping up and hiring, of course, uh, um, talent. Um, Now, it's, it's interesting because, you know, there's a lot of Chinese car makers are opening studios outside of China, which we've also discussed in a previous podcast. Yeah. And um, it's it seems like some designers you know there's there's one um, one uh, senior level designer that re, you know published something that was um, that was interesting to me saying you know what talent is getting or talent is all going over to China we're all going to be left with with nothing over here in Europe which is where he's based now uh, there's Never. obviously a number of reasons as to why that's happening um, you know, the Chinese are going after what it is that they want, uh, and they're putting together some offers where, you know, some people are really tempted by, uh, financial gain in that regard. But also, um, you know, there is a large amount of opportunity going on in terms of nascent, um, car companies and indeed car companies that have existed for a good while by Chinese terms <laughs> and, uh, that are seeking to reinvent themselves. And, you know, if they come at it with, uh, a different kind of viewpoint, I think there's a, a huge potential there for um, the Chinese to be leading. I mean they've, they've, they've just they've been leapfrogging in terms of um, all sorts of aspects of the automotive industry, uh, all sorts of aspects of production. I mean the, the Chinese have really become a force um, from, you know, from yeah. an automotive industry perspective and in a very short time, and they keep doing that. Um, so it's in, in other industries as well. So it's, it's really interesting to see um, what it is that's going to happen uh, with the, the Chinese car makers in terms of design in the, in the near future. You know? um, are they going to start placing more emphasis on design, which yep. is you know, really the way that I think things should be going?
1: yeah and also i mean you know it was really interesting to see and you know coming back a little bit to the paris topic but really moving moving a little bit forward to that and we had gac at the paris motor show and they were pretty much surrounded by uh, mercedes and bmw yeah they were in the same hall um but we (laughs) it was actually really really funny to see because the the quality of the Chinese cars, or at least the cars that GAC showed, were nowhere near a BMW or a Mercedes. And I think it was really, really good for GAC to be part of that kind of group of, of 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 companies because in terms of reputation and stuff like that it's of course a very very good kind of a situation but if we really looked into the gaps and stuff like that that you know that that, that, that are between the fenders and the doors and all these kind of things you know we were playing around a little bit with that and sometimes we were almost like able to put a hand in there um so I do very, very much agree in terms of all these you know design moves and new studios and stuff like that. Um, but also, if you want to compete with those kind of cars and, you know, like we saw like the silver arrow, which was, you know, plain perfect in terms of what, you know, Mercedes could have done as a show car. there was, there was nothing wrong with that model. You know, it was literally absolutely perfect. They had the the EQC there, which is obviously production car and stuff like that, but compared to the Chinese and GAC in that particular, and I don't want to criticize them too much, but you know, if you want to go in between those kind of guys, you're going to be compared on the premium level. They just didn't keep up. Uh, you know quite forwardly uh, speaking in that sense so that's the interesting point because I think we have to see like China in China is a, a different kind of level China compared to European companies um, uh, you know let's say American companies probably the only one who can really compete at the moment from my perspective is Gili uh, in that regards the rest still need to keep up and we saw that to a certain degree in Paris as well um, but you know they are hiring as you've mentioned there's a lot of you know movement in there with all those companies companies but um it, it you know they're not 100% ready yet to compete with really the big dogs when it comes to uh premium level i think when it comes to mid sector that's absolutely fine but uh premium not quite there yet. It's going to be interesting to see how this is going to develop. But, um, I want to, I want to, I want to do mm-hmm. just something very, very quickly because obviously you know, I don't want to miss out on one of our favorite kind of parts of the show, which is always about talking about the new cars. And we will come back to the ideas of designers a little bit later on with a different topic, but, um, not really much to discuss after the Paris show, but we need to discuss the BMW X5 and we need to discuss the BMW X7. Um, because it is another BMW. We were extremely, you know, we were hard critics on that one quite recently. And we said there were probably a few problems going on at BMW. But what what, what do we think about them um, at this moment in time?
0: Well, you know, I mean, I gener- I'm not a big fan of SUVs. So you've just listed two SUVs. And that, unfortunately, is the way that the entire car market seems to be going. People, car buyers, are generally um, really enamored by the Perhaps it's the practicality aspect, the fact that you sit up higher. I mean, there's a number of attributes to SUVs which make them attractive to individual buyers. Um, Personally, from a design perspective, you know the X5 hasn't changed all that much, um, I would say, from the predecessor. Now, where it's changed the most is in the front face and its rear. Um, And the rear treatment is not particularly appealing to me. I, I, I see a lot of automakers now going to these really long, um, you know, stretched out lamps in order to really just make the uh, the car appear wider and lower. It, it decreases the kind of visual height of the vehicle. Um, but but the thing is, for me, there's now this car. Is, it's it's important to note that every BMW also kind of not only does it get a little bit bigger, but it also gains vast amounts of technology. And that's the way that things are going these days. It's technology, technology, technology. So in terms of technology. If we just look at, for example, the headlamps, which have been in their, you know, um, in their treatment changed also from what was, you know, really uh, a very identifiable character, the the double round headlamps of BMW, they've kind of morphed into something different. Um, And they're also like really embedded with technology. So with that technology, you could actually make the headlamps smaller you could make the tail lamps smaller and to me proportionally that would work a lot better the technology's there we will see it happen um i always think that if the if the headlamps are actually smaller than the wheels the car tends to look better um and i don't i don't know you know yeah. if i'm if i'm uh kind of unique in that in that thought but um i, I think there people aren't, or companies rather, aren't taking advantage of the technology that's there. They're just putting it on the vehicle, but not in applications, which I deem to be forward thinking. Um, and that, you know, kind of, uh, from an exterior design perspective kind of lets me down a little bit interior wise, of course, you know, there's lots to like on this new, um, on this new X five, um, mainly because, you know, it's got all of these screens, you know, and screen, screen, screens and, um, everything digital, you know, and it's, um, I mean, it's it's a nice evolution, I would say, of what it was that uh, the the X5 was and is becoming. Um, but again, you know, I just can't get past certain aspects of the vehicle. Uh, it's a shame, <laughs> um, and I'm sure it will be a success, just because the X5 always has been um it's a brilliant car to drive so yeah um, you know it, it's i'm sure it will find buyers um that are interested in again owning an suv owning something that is um you know kind of uh gives them that kind of sense of security and that authority i mean i, I do like the way that the ip is tiered up i like the yeah. way that the you know, BMW has this kind of angular treatment for the air vents in the front, which is, you know, always kind of canted a little bit towards the driver and giving them that kind of um, driver-centric uh, authority and appeal. Um, and it's also got some some neat uh, bits uh, along with, uh, you know, the color and trim. Some of the materials that are being used also um, are, are, are interesting. Um, but, you know, it's... Uh, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of SUVs, and uh, regardless of their practicality, I just, um, I'm kind of tired (laughs) of the whole uh, SUV thing.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, especially from exterior, I do agree on the interior. I mean, I think we can, we can kind of say in general uh, that the interior for most companies is making a lot of, a lot of steps forward, uh, which I think is a very, very positive thing. We're all quite happy about that as well. So that's all really, 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 really cool. My main problem about BMW at the moment with the X5 and the X7 is just it, it, there's nothing that makes it recognizably a BMW especially from the side view. You know, if you see that, it's like, well, it could be any kind of car. There's nothing that is specifically BMW. Um, You know, I'm kind of okay with the rear. I can live with that. I don't necessarily like it, but I'm not angry with it. But it's just that also like, you know, they're making the grill bigger and bigger and bigger. And, you know I, I remember when we were talking about the aston martin dbs the new one and i was like man this is like a whale shark you know this is like it seems like it's, it's it's it wants to eat you uh pretty much and it's the same thing like with bmw it's just like what do you want to do with like you know those big kidneys nowadays you know they're they have become this kind of graphic element that is just too much for That's me personally and and and, and this is just what makes you know the thing for me not really attractive uh in that sense interior different level um but like i said there's nothing recognizable about this car anymore obviously like with the kidneys it's a little bit of an exception that's the bmw face but uh, if i see it from the side man it could be anything you know and coming back obviously then to the chinese guys this is what the chinese guys are doing really really well nowadays is you know the quality is okay uh it's not great cannot compete with anything like bmw but you know some of them are really recognized um, and, you know, I'm I'm a little bit worried at the moment. I'm not going to lie that BMW cannot keep that up. And they're just going to, um, you know, be the, you know, average kind of car that nobody can differentiate anymore. So uh, let's hope this is not going to happen uh, from that perspective. But I would like to actually move on. Uh, from you know us bashing BMW, <laughs> almost yeah. every every uh, every single episode. Uh, you know, I mean, if
0: there, is, if there is one nice thing that we can say about the X Seven, I think um, you know it stays very close to the concept which was done. Um, what did we see uh, back in two thousand seventeen? Um, a uh, you know the the what was it called? The i-Performance rather right, concept yeah. of uh, X7 i-Performance. So um, I think, you know, from, from where it was, um, you know, to where it's gotten, I, I do give uh, BMW some credit, um, you know, and, and again, you know, BMW has kind of been doing this for a little while now where, you know, they don't show vehicles like concept cars that aren't, going to translate into reality you're never really left with all that much thinking if it is a a pure like concept blue sky thing they call them visions Um, otherwise they don't call them uh concepts the concepts are really something that's kind of uh, you know inches away from production so that's that's kind of good um the visions is something that you know is is obviously uh, eye-catching. It's good to see what designers are thinking about in respective companies, but um, again, you know, concept cars are just a toe in the water for what they could potentially be doing, perhaps some somehow down the line, and how customers are going to react to that. And yeah. it's not always um, it's not always good, and it's certainly not always production feasible. And um, uh, you know, it's it's it is nice to dream. There is no question. Um, so, but it's also nice to, to see things that are going to translate into a a production reality. So from that perspective, you know, BMW does a good job, but again, they can't show all their cards, right?
1: Of course. But, um, you're talking about something very interesting here. We're talking about concept to production and we actually decided we wanted to talk about something that um we are quite passionate about uh we do to a certain kind of degree disagree about as well and um we went to the paris you know uh, the paris motor show designers night and we had actually um a lot of people coming up to us and we first of all want to say thank you uh, for all the positive comments on the uh on the on the podcast and that so many people like it we also obviously want to say a quick thank you for you know the people who organized the the designers night was a really really fun event, and uh, we we got to uh, you know meet a lot, lot of people that we knew already, some people that we didn't know, but we had a couple of disca- discussions actually about design schools and about portfolios and about you know being a student. What is it that you you know what what are you expected to do as a student, and you know what is it that you're expected to know and you you to be able to do when you when you finish you know university and actually go into a job, so the idea was we're just going to talk a little bit about design schools. We're going to talk a little bit about, you know, some really cool things. We're going to talk about some criticism that comes out of the real world, um, that are, you know, very, very often not really taught or talked about in the schools. And, um, try to give some kind of tips to maybe, you know, some of the students, uh, listening to this podcast. And obviously for everybody who's, uh, who's not a student anymore, who might, you know, grow outgrown the university system already, uh, to also kind of give us a little bit of feedback if you think in a very, very similar kind of way. But so let's jump right into it. Eric, you go to a lot of those, you know, graduate shows and like, you know, you, you know, a lot of the professors, you know, a lot of the schools and stuff like that. Um, what do you feel about, you know, let's say in particular transportation design schools at the moment? What, what is what is your personal feeling? Uh, wh- where is the world of uh, of university teaching when it comes to transportation design going?
0: Well, yes, I, I do. I do definitely go to a lot of design shows, a lot of degree shows, and you know, I mean, from. Generally speaking, you know there are some schools that are just you know head and shoulders above above the rest. Um, you know some schools are more than happy to take your money without actually uh, providing you with the necessary tools that you need to prepare for uh, for a, a career in, in in automotive design. Now, um, you know I see now you know as a recruiter I see things a lot more. Um, you know portfolios coming across through the the, the inbox and on my desk that's. Basically, aren't um, aligned with what it is that uh, these guys are looking to do. Um, I think, from a de- from a design school perspective, um, if the school is good enough, meaning that if students And I'm not saying that, you know, certainly not on the master's level courses and all of that, that students need hand-holding, but general guidance as to what it is that people are expecting. And some schools do this way better than others uh, in terms of preparing students, getting them into internships, um, really providing, doing the legwork that's necessary in order to make sure that these guys, after spending however long in a design program or however much money, are going to be... Um, really uh, able to find a full-time gig once they graduate, Um, of course, a lot of it is up to the student themselves. And the students really need to put in the time. It's not, look, nowadays, you know, it's not enough just to do a pretty sketch. You actually need to have some thinking, some thought process behind what it is that you're doing. And I think... If, if students go in there and they're not motivated enough and they don't have somebody that's going – you know, some of these bigger schools have, you know, 100 students graduating per year, there's no way that a design professor, regardless of how good they are, is going to be able to follow and guide that student. Now, if they take the initiative and go out and do things, do the necessary research, find out what some of the problems are that the industry is facing, find perhaps some appealing um, solutions – for some of these, um, some of these issues of mobility that we currently have, um, you know, in future mobility, it's not just, I mean, I, I read something recently, and you were talking about, you know, the the show being an, in Paris being positively attended. And there's a sharp decline in private car ownership um, in, in uh, yeah. across across all of Europe. And, and Europe is a particular example, because, you know, the cities in the way that they're laid out don't really need cars congesting the streets. So, you know, when, 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 when students take the time to kind of get out of their comfort zone a little bit and start looking at what is really happening in these cities. How are people getting around? And, you know, they might come up with some interesting mobility concepts, um, which would then be extremely appealing for a prospective, for for a prospective uh, employer. But I think, you know, again, generally speaking, I'm not going to speak for one school over another, but there are some schools that really instead of just coming in and saying, yeah, we offer a design program, they tailor the program to suit the very the, the students' qualities and ability. And uh, what I mean is they'll offer dedicated interior programs or they'll offer a clay module. Perhaps, you know, that's the way that, that designers yes, need yes. to go. And so Maybe not everyone is cut out to be a designer. Maybe you'd, you'd be better suited to be a clay modeler. So I think, you know, in terms of that, um, there is a lot of potential for design schools to kind of expand, start offering perhaps some really dedicated UI or, you know, uh, programs um, or at least some modules where students are you know, really working to you know with graphics and things instead of just you know drawing a car exterior for four years. It's like you know, like let's let's kind of move <laughs> it, move the game on a little bit. Let's let's give these guys a bit more ammunition for when they go out into the real world, so that they are more appealing to prospective employers and have a more round, well-rounded education. You know, if if all you do is come out of of school with a couple yep. of um, quick projects that you've done and little like uh, sponsored things or whatever. um, And then maybe you've had an internship in one place that, you know, lasted six months. Uh, I don't know. It's just not, you know, it's, it's not giving them, I think enough uh, artillery. Um, And that's, you know, I I mean, I keep using this war terminology like bullets and stuff, but I mean, it's, it's, it's a hard world (laughs) out there. There is a huge amount of competition. There's a lot of designers way more than are getting hired and people designers young guys and girls really need to realize that hey you know i need to be at the top of my game if i'm going to get anywhere in this highly competitive industry
1: and to to jump onto that i think um it comes a little bit as a definition of a designer this this is very much my personal view but you know a lot of these design schools are actually art schools Yeah, So Mm -hmm. we're talking about artistry, we're talking about, you know, uh, it's not necessarily something about a product in that kind of regard. I think this is the very, very big difference to, let's say, industrial design. Transportation design is still very, very often seen as an art rather than, you know, a a traditional kind of product or industrial design. And um, let's be very, very honest, it's not. Yeah. Um, (laughs) When, you know, everybody who does that job, of course, they say, Oh, I want to be, you know, I want to do some really, really cool things. You know, I want to do an Anton Shamenkov Renault, like future Formula car. And I want to do like, you know, a Silver Arrow from Mercedes that we've discussed earlier and stuff like that. So (laughs) that's all nice, you know, but excuse me, but you're not working in this industry to have nice concept cars. You're working in this industry to bring cars onto the road. Yeah, if that is then, and that that doesn't change for future mobility. Yeah, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, an Uber or Lillium kind of style. Uh, you know, plain taxi. It doesn't matter if it's, uh, you know, it, it just a kind of a shared vehicle and stuff like that. Everybody who is designing something, I think, has the ability that they can put it onto the market, it, and then it doesn't matter nowadays anymore if it's leased or rented or, um or bought in that kind of sense. And I think a lot of schools, they don't teach the people that. Yeah. And especially the students, um, you know, we, a lot of the conversations we have with the people from the industry is that a lot of the, the students, they have very little idea about the engineering behind design. Yeah. Why is it important? There's a certain kind of economic factor. So if I change a DLO a few millimeters, you know, what would that cost in terms of tooling and stuff like that? Um, and I don't want to say that, you know, the, the, the transportation design or mobility design needs to become way more like that. So in terms of numbers and stuff like that, but I think students nowadays, they should have a certain kind of interest and a certain, certain kind of, you know, push from themselves to know, Uh, and the the willingness to understand uh, what they want to do. And, you know, how can I really get this all done? And this is not really taught in the schools. Uh, The students have to do it themselves. And, of course, it's always a little bit cooler to draw some cool sketches and stuff like that. Um, But, you know, we've been to shows, and I think this shows a little bit the kind of, you know, artistry about it, where – the people didn't do their own 3D models. You know, they send their models then off to be 3D printed rather than do their own clay model and try things out. And this is not real car design. You know, real car design, you, 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 you learn you learn about everything and yeah. um and that is a problem i think that has to do with a certain kind of degree maybe with the teachers um it always is uh, you know is always of course with the students as well you need to be willing to learn about those kind of things but uh and i don't want to be overly critical because the creative part is still very important especially in the beginning but the wish to really understand how my you know project is getting into production or like you know onto the street um i don 't really see that, and that 's actually a sad part because the one of the integral parts of showing your project to the public and ideally having it on the road and like you know traveling the world because your i don 't know your new car you know's been presented in fifteen different countries um, that should be the goal you know that 's how you get like, you know, the kind of credibility, not just because you do a nice little show car uh, that you know people will forget about in two weeks' time
0: yeah well I mean you know, I, I think ultimately. to to go back to what you were saying earlier in terms of the uh the designers that choose to send their uh their models off now a lot of the time you know the professors will tell students it doesn't matter if you're doing a model or not um sometimes they want designers to do you know the students to do a, a, a a scale model for their projects and in some schools you know the the student would have interns say at mercedes-benz and then mercedes will spend a bunch of money to do their model and sure. the guy will sure. not have gone to mercedes and therefore we won't have the thousand dollar model on show so it's you know there's 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 bits there now i think you know in terms of sh- you know doing all of the data um and then shipping all of that over to uh to some guy in china who's going to do your model is shortchanging you in the long run. Because, you know, as you mentioned, it's not just about doing a pretty sketch. It's not just about art. It's about working with other members of a vast team that are going to come together and put together a a vehicle, right? So you need to work with alias modelers. You need to work with engineers in some respects if you're going into production. Now, you know, maybe a junior designer isn't going to do that. They'll learn a lot. Um, on the job, of course. But I think it would give certain design, and and some schools do this, um, you know, package, for example, you know, learn, uh, uh, have a few more kind of alias or VRED courses or something, um, where, you know, designers are actually really learning the tools that they're going to be needing um, when they're they're in this studio. Um, So they have a leg up a little bit on, you know, they're not starting from scratch, they need to know a little bit more about, the process, I think. And, you know, of course, like I said, you learn a lot on the job. But, um, for, for, when you, when you send, a, for example, a clay model off, one, you're losing about a month or more, more, you know, two months of, of actual designing. Because you have to get all of that data ready in order to ship it out um, and then get it shipped back as a final uh, model that you can display. And it cuts both ways, right? Because the guy that doesn't have the nice model on show isn't going to get approached by someone um, perhaps from, a, you know, a hiring manager from an automotive company that are there at these shows, you know, that's why they have these shows. Um, so so designers can, you know, uh, that are employed at these companies, hiring managers can come in and take a look at what the students have done. But at the same time, if it isn't their work, is that really their work? So it's like, you know, I, I have issues also with collaborative problems, uh, projects rather, that creates yeah. a lot of problems yeah. because you can – of course, you will have to collaborate with other designers. It's not going to be just you. It's never just you. But yeah, when you come across a portfolio, and I think we should actually move into that now. And you see a portfolio with the same project across like four different portfolios. And you're like, which, you know, what part did you actually do? You know, were you, were you at home watching Netflix? Well, you know, um, or Alessandro did the the entire exterior design. Like you, you don't know because the guy whose portfolio you're looking at is not named Alessandro. So anyway, I mean, it's just yeah. there's there's certain things with you know the way that projects are presented, and then the way that students, in turn, when it's time to go out and get a job, put a portfolio together, could do with some vast improvement. Yeah.
1: 100% agree. And I think uh, to give a little bit, we we don't just want to criticize, obviously, you know, we, we see certain kind of things and uh, we get a lot of feedback from the industry. And when we talk about portfolios, always be aware that there's a lot of people who are as good in terms of sketching, you know, in terms of using Photoshop and stuff like that, you know, as, as pretty much you can think of, I mean, you know, the, the general kind of quality of people that are studying transportation design, they know how yeah. to use Photoshop, you know, and the, the top is getting really, really tiny, uh, to be very, very honest. Um, but what we can definitely say when it comes to the portfolio is look, do something that is original. look, Every portfolio we see has a Lamborghini or a Porsche in there. Yeah. So when you do something like that, uh, always make sure that it's really something challenging. And I'm not saying challenging in terms of a project, but maybe challenging the design idea behind it, challenging the kind of brand behind it a little bit, you know, but something that is different. Um, because I know how you guys all think, you know, like you want to do the coolest things and supercars and stuff like that. And everybody wants to be the next Sasha Selipanov and, you know, doing a Bugatti and Lamborghinis and Genesis and whatever not. Um, But that's difficult because there's a lot of competition. Yeah. So when it comes to the portfolio, show a little bit um, how you're different. Uh, You know, so we had, uh, we had one guy just a few years ago uh, who actually had a project, which was pretty much like an autonomous casket, super strange but like the people remembered that it was very well executed and stuff like that but it was a certain kind of idea like a you know end of life cycle and all these kind of things that was part of mobility and and that was super new you know that obviously is something that you know probably put him into like a yes or no kind of direction so either people liked it or they didn't like it but um that was something quite original you know and also um, show a little bit what else you can do apart from sketching. You know, we talked about uh, working about, you know, with Alias, for example, with v nowadays virtual reality when it comes to Unity and all these kind of things, you know, are becoming of interest. So when you do a portfolio, you know, for a 3D model, for example, it's very really difficult then to like to judge the 3D model just on pictures. So why don't you just, you know, put the wire file when you do it on Alias or like in polygons? and stuff like that. Um, you know, put it into your portfolio. Like, you know, send it out with the people so they can have a look at it and see what they can do. You know, those kind of extra skills is what's going to set you apart nowadays, um, rather than just the sketching. Because I think, you know, we've seen this quite regularly. Um, the sketching quality is super high, and uh, we're we're more and more looking into what else can the people do. Like, what what other interests do they have? And so then it becomes very very interesting, and it also helps differentiating. You know, some people more like clay modeling. The other one 's not like 3 d and stuff like that so um, it 's a very very underestimated uh, or undervalued uh, fact by the students to know these things that are not just about sketching
0: yeah i mean the thing is it 's not it 's not solely reserved to students i mean you know other, there are some people in the industry that just don 't know how to build a, a, a portfolio that 's going to really strike a chord which is which is strange you know i 've always I've always found that a bit strange, like this is your career, this is what you do. And again, I don't want to sound overly negative, right? Because um, there are certain things that, you know, you're working in an industry, but you're not used to, you know, perhaps showcasing your work. But as a visual person, it's always kind of, uh, as a side note, it's always been really interesting to me to find designers that can't take a photograph. It's like, how do you not know how, you know, you're working with how things are perceived and the look of, of something. Um, you know, every day, uh, you know, to me, that makes no sense. Anyway, um, sorry about that <laughs> slight deviation.
1: That's right. That's right.
0: <laughs> I, think, I think ultimately, um, in order, you're, you're, you're right in what you say, you know, it's uh, portfolios ultimately, you know, are an ideas showcase. So to me, a strong portfolio, if you're going to choose to show something that is based on an existing brand, then be on brand. You know, obviously. No one wants to see something that is going to be able to be produced in a year's time. I always tell designers this: they want to see, they know what what they're going to be doing for the next five years down the line. They don't want to see something that you know is uh, is 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 current, but they're looking for long term vision. Um, you know, do you have the stamina to? Because when they hire you, you know, you're going to be a junior designer for a little while working on wheels yeah. and whatever. Yeah. You know, it's like in the future, are they going, are you still going to be able to generate ideas um, five, ten years down the line? You know, that's what they, these hiring managers want to see. These That's what these companies want to see. So, you know, another thing is in terms of like creating a portfolio you know, of course you want to show your ability, of course you want to show that you're well-versed, of course you want to show that you can, you know, do Photoshop or whatever, this, that, and the other, but at the same time, you should be on topic. That is often yes. my biggest, um, my biggest uh, issue, you know, is seeing design, you know, portfolios that come across loaded with, like, exterior designs and product work, and then they're like, I want to be an interior designer. Well, where are your interior designs? <laughs> yeah. um, that That is, you know, something that I just, so it's important if you're going after a certain position and a certain role to showcase just how good you are at that particular bit, of course, you can show, you know, a a watch design if that's something that you've done. Of course, if, if, you know, you've done a couple of interior projects on intern or exterior projects on internship, throw that in, but it shouldn't be the priority. If your priority is finding an interior design job, then you need to be, top-notch with that interior proposal.
1: Uh, exactly. Mm-hmm. And just to add to that, you know, I know it's a little bit of extra work, but if you're not sure what you want to do, do two portfolios, oh, yes. you know, do one which is interior based, do one which is exterior based, and then, you know, send out both, uh, but make sure that you show that, like, you know, they are, they are different in that kind right. of sense. And I think, uh, I would definitely recommend more interior because it's unfortunately still the case that it's just you know not a lot of students or like fewer students way fewer students actually than exterior guys or exterior students are interested in in interiors and let me tell you one thing if you want to have a job or if you want to increase your chances of getting a job do interiors yeah because the guys that are just Incredibly good on exteriors are very very few, and they will take mm. up the jobs because, you know, from a from a project perspective, from our from from our experience, you don't need a lot of exterior mm-hmm. designers. Yeah, you can do a full exterior with, let's say, three designers if you need to yeah so even if you go to big kind of you know let's say bmws mercedes and stuff like that they have hundreds of designers they still do smaller cars like you know cars with small teams especially on exterior um exactly but like you know still it's like per car you don't need that many people uh in terms of the pure creative process i'm not talking about the process of building a car but the pure creative process of an exterior um and on the other hand, because of all, you know, the details that are becoming more and more important, the interior or even exterior details are becoming much, much, much more important in the whole process. So, you know, if, if you really want to make sure, you know, you, you, you really get into your passion, which is then transportation design, you know, have an idea what the market wants from you. You know, if you're super passionate about exteriors, but you can't keep up with the big guys, why don't you just do something else? Like, you know, the, the passion of staying within the industry is probably bigger than just a passion for exterior. Um, so why not try something different? And one thing that you mentioned earlier with the photos, I wanted to bring up quickly, because one thing that we can very, very often see, and this is then, you know, very much hand in hand with the understanding of uh, a clay model or even like a 3D model with alias in particular is Mm. perspective. Yeah. So we have a three quarter, you have the front view, the rear view, the side view, everything, you know, front back three quarter, whatever you want want it to be. Make sure you learn perspectives you know and that's one of the hardest thing you can do but it's really really easy to have a car look nice from a front view from a three quarter front view and stuff like that but make sure you exactly know um, what um, you know what you wanted to show and that it is consistent Um, we've you know we've spoken about Sasha Silipanov a few times but he's a perfect example for that he you know models pretty much his designs all by himself and he then decides based on the 3D model most of the time does this work or does it not work? You know, because it's a coherent picture of what he has in his mind, and I think this helps a lot. It helps a lot about the idea of um, of uh, of 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 perspective as well, and to make sure that the whole idea is working, and not just the front, or not just the rear, or not just the side view. Because in the end, the ideal point is in terms of exterior, you want to do a you know a full car, and in terms of interior, yeah, a dashboard is very nice, but you also think about you know the center console, about the seats and stuff like that as well. So, um, it's, it's always about a learning process, you know, read books, like speak to, to you know, talk to people um, about their experiences, you know, like make sure that you're always open up um, to, 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 to learn about the whole thing. And obviously keep on sketching, keep on sketching, but always get feedback as well. Get feedback from not just your fellow students or your teachers and stuff like that, that know you very, very well, you know, because on bee hunts and all these kind of things nowadays, get your feedback, even if it's negative and negative feedback will help you as much as a positive one to get better yeah don't be afraid of that that's very very important i think and um and so, uh, yeah, that's, uh, you know, I don't want to rant or anything like that, but I, you know, it, always keep on going, always keep on going. That's like those kind of best people, talent is the one thing, but if you're persistent, you know, the persistence of, of, of you really willing to go to the next level is, uh, will always be, you know, a very, very important point.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's like some of these really, really talented guys are not extroverts, you know, they're not, uh, out there. Um, showcasing their work on things like Behance, for example, or on social media. I mean, actually, I've heard some design school that, that really dissuade designers from showing their work on social media because of the fear that their ideas may get poached by someone else. Um, now, you know, it's, it's possible, yes. I mean, anything's possible. Um, you know, it's. But a lot of the time, you know, ultimately what people need to remember is or the originality of ideas yes. you know no one wants something that you know is going to be uh, i this one guy uh, senior level designer at a company told me once that a uh, designer came in a potential you know junior designer wanting a job and he showed him a flipped so therefore inverted version of his own sketch and that to me is just boggles the mind. It's like, how do you even, so, um, yeah, some, so you've got some guys that aren't very talented, but have a lot of balls or you've got other guys that are, you know, introverted and super talented whose work you'll never see. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a fine balance, but in terms of, you know, showcasing your work, yes, it is important to get feedback. If you know of some people that you can contact that are actually working designers that can give you some criticism, um, You know, people like ourselves that see portfolios very regularly, Um, you know, we can give you some feedback and maybe critique and help you to build things. It's just a shame that some design schools, coming back to the original main topic of discussion, (laughs) aren't really doing the legwork to give the designers that, um, you know, that information, you know, which really should be upfront. You know, I mean, it's not it's not rocket science. You know, you're applying for a certain position. You're very good at this. Work on perfecting that, you know, don't be a jack of all trades, um, work on being a master of one. And, you know, if you can really, really showcase your ability to be an interior designer, of course, now is huge. Uh, interior design is, uh, definitely, and has been for a number of years gaining, um, in importance, um it, it's going to make you just more attractive give you a leg up and that's what you need as an aspiring designer looking for your first job
1: exactly and i think uh, to be very very honest um we we will probably do another episode in the future about this because we want to have your feedback you know we want to have a little bit of your discussion point and stuff like that so uh we will leave it with the design schools for now um yeah.
0: It's a topic I'm very passionate about. I've been yeah, to <laughs> about this for a long time. Um, and, uh, you yeah, know, it's, it's nice to kind of put it out there, but it does deserve a bit more of a deep dive, I think. Yeah. But um, it's, it's definitely important in any medium to get feedback. So by all means, you know, let us know your thoughts. Um, You know, if you're a professional designer working in the industry, what tips would you have for a young aspiring designer, certainly in in cases of building up a portfolio to showcase their work? And also, if, uh, you know, you're a professor at a design school, um, shoot us a line, you know, let us know what's happening, what are some of the things and the hindrances or some of the speed bumps perhaps that you're encountering Um, from an educational perspective, um, you know, when you are out there trying to teach Uh, young designers into getting their dream job
1: yeah exactly and uh you know we we will obviously have uh, everything on, you know, online, we will have, you know, we will feature the podcast, of course, on Instagram and social media and stuff like that. So uh, please do contact us either on direct message on Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, I think Twitter as well as possible. So email, of course, is no problem. So wherever you listen to this, uh, if it's on iTunes, if it's on Spotify, or if it's on uh, on any kind of RSS feed or any kind of other app that you're using, you know, reach out to us on Instagram. Uh, for you know, at, at concept houses, we're pretty much uh, you know we as a company are being trading. You can reach us at Form Trends, pretty much on every other channel as well. Uh, and please, yeah, let us know what, what do you think because it is a controversial topic, and I think it's always an ever evolving one. And uh, we we would very very much looking into you know or we would be happy to have feedback from all of you guys. If you're a student, if you're a teacher, if you're you know as you know a more seasoned kind of designer, someone that just recently graduated and's got his first job and stuff like that so we are really really looking forward into into hearing from you about this. And we have one little announcement. We uh, just obviously, well, actually two little announcements, I have to say. So when you listen to this, this will be done on Friday, the 19th of uh, October, when this comes out. Uh, we want to make sure that, you know, check out our charity auction for the lovely German charity called Herzenswünsche EV, which uh, are pretty much doing like, you know, uh, you know a Make-A-Wish foundation, pretty much. Um, we have a couple of pictures and posters of the Genesis Essential, which have been signed by Sasha Salipanov and his whole team. Uh, it's all for a good cause. So, you know, do bid on that one. Uh, it, you know, goes to the kids. So that's always really, really good with that one. Uh, and also... Uh, we will be or actually you know at that point in time when you listen to this we already have we'll record a special edition of the Gestalten podcast which will be about vr uh, virtual reality within the design departments so you know how it is used why it is used what are the pros what are the cons and stuff like that and we will be having uh, Quirin Friedl, who is actually running the visualization department at Baiten here in Munich, with us to give us a little bit of an insight on this one. So, uh, some cool things coming up. It's probably going to take us about a week to get this all sorted out, yep. but um, you know, we sorry, we, gonna... out on that one. <laughs> Yeah, that's fine, Eric. Don't worry about it. Quirin's going to be here for uh, you know, in person, but uh, you know, let us let us know if you have more topics like that because a lot of people came up to us and said, like, Oh, you know, VR, can you talk about that? We're like, Yeah, cool, let's do it. We have some. Some other plans, uh, you know, uh, that we'll bring in.
0: Yeah, yeah, we'll have some more special guests on in the future. Talk about different aspects exactly. of design as but, well. But
1: uh, If you ever have any kind of wishes or, you know, any kind of topics that you want us to talk about desperately, uh, we are always open for suggestions. Uh, of course, we have a bunch of things that we want to talk about in the future anyways. But uh, let us know, interact with us on, on the various uh, media channels. And with that, my dear friend Eric, I would say... We're pretty much done, to be very honest.
0: (laughs) I I think so. Yeah, you covered pretty much everything. I mean, uh, you know, you guys know how to get in touch with us. By all means, don't be shy. Reach out. Drop us a line on various accounts and profiles. And um, just, yeah, let us know if you guys are interested in us covering something else or different topics that you may want to listen to and hear about. Um, you know, we're always open to suggestions. Um, and yeah, looking forward to this VR special that Martin is going to be doing. And, um, yeah, we, I guess that's about it. You know, we don't have anything else to add. So,
1: nope, just just one more thing, uh, because before we forget it, um, do follow us on Instagram in particular, uh, for you know, at Concept House because you will see the latest jobs that we have over there as well. Mm. So, um, we still have a bunch of things uh, in in the pipeline for, especially interior guys. We have even a couple of chief design positions for exterior and interior. So, um, exciting, exciting. So, follow us there uh, and on LinkedIn as well for you know all this kind of new stuff. Because you know, maybe there might even be something for you, young listeners out there that you know that are students uh, and are graduating quite soon. Who knows? Mm.
0: Absolutely, absolutely.
1: But yeah, so on that note, we're done. On that note, we're done for the thanks day. Thanks again for joining uh, us,
0: guys, and we will
1: see you a lot.
0: on the next one.
1: Take care. Bye. Bye-bye.